Welcome to Two Gals in a Glass Half Full. We are two physical therapists just trying to live healthy most of the time. Moderation is key and doing our best to see our glasses as half full. Some days that is much harder than others. So we like to interview others more knowledgeable than us and teach us about things we don't know. Um, this uh, series, we're continuing our talk on leadership, um, both in the workplace, in the home, and kind of everywhere leadership is applicable. But first, Dr. Jess, what do you have in your glass today? Well, in my glass, it is uh, hot outside and it's Florida. And so I've got a nice glass of water, put some fresh lime in it this morning. So I'm going to really try and continue to drink a lot of water because it's hot. <laughs> yes. So Dr. Bobby, what's in your glass? I have water as well, trying to increase that intake and it is hot here as well. So mm-hmm. when we're, we're hitting a, a 99 today. Good Ooh. night. Yes. Uh, yes. Well, we have a special guest with us today. Uh, Jada has been on the show before, but she's has so much good stuff to share that we couldn't help but ask her to come back on. And she's so <laughs> kind with giving us a little bit of her time. So we appreciate that. Uh, so Jada, what is in your glass? I'm sporting two glasses today. I have mm-hmm. my friend's mug with green tea in it and some almond milk uh, and a little bit of caffeine in there. Mm-hmm. And I too am trying to stay hydrated with water and water is not my favorite thing at all. So I have my puppy love, big O Turvis Tom, <laughs> where I'm trying to, trying to guzzle down today. I love it. I love it. Uh, so Jada, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, so I am a mental health therapist and I have two practices, uh, just keep swimming counseling and also keep evolving beyond therapy. Keep evolving beyond therapy is my group practice. They're both under the same roof and that's with Peter Gay Sterling, who your listeners will be meeting soon enough. And, Mm -hmm. uh, Melissa Crawford, who your listeners have heard, um, her speak on your show before. So that is me. I'm a therapist. Um, that pretty much defines me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't take that hat hat off a lot. So that's all right. I love it. So in this month of leadership, we've talked about a lot of different aspects of leadership. Uh, However, one thing that I think is important to recognize is that leadership doesn't have to be just inside the workplace. And that's a big topic that sometimes I think it's missed and we maybe forget our role a little bit inside of friend groups and interpersonal relationships and uh, maybe with parenting as well of how there's that consistency that can still come through and can be make your uh, effectiveness inside of that relationship maybe more of what you intended or wanted. Um, not that there's one right or wrong way, but just making sure that that intended effect is actually what's happening. Um, so, so Jada, um, I know you've got a, a really, uh, a nice view on, on this topic. So, um, where, where would you like to start with this? Uh, if we think about like moving from punishment to effectiveness? Well, I think just, um, a little bit of just psychoeducation on the transactional model itself. And I kind of wanted to explain a little bit of what that is because it really helps us understand why even studies show punishment just doesn't work. And what we want to move toward is that effectiveness style. Well, exactly what does that mean? I think we have to first take a step back and look at the very beginning. Right. So transactional model. Um, are you guys familiar with this model? I'm nope. not. All right. So it's the type of therapy that I come from, dialectical behavioral therapy. So Marshall Lennon Hain kind of created this concept that the environment is 
in the system in which someone lives is transactional. And then Alan Perzetti is a wonderful individual. You should all, I highly recommend your listeners look up. He's our guru when it comes to working with families from DBT. He's also kind of really honed in and shaped this. So what is it? Basically, it says that someone in their essence, we're shaped by not only our biology, but also our social environment. So some of us, I'm one of these people, and I'm sure some of your listeners are going to relate to this. We're just born more sensitive to emotions. I don't mean sensitivity in a negative way. I think sometimes it gets a negative connotation. It's a, it's a positive thing. I like to explain it as it's a superpower, but until we know the skills, it can be our kryptonite. Okay. So That's fair. Our biology. And then if we are placed in an environment where maybe the parents, we like to say parents are always, and people are always doing the best they can with the skills they have. And sometimes we have to try and do better. And so sometimes people are placed in environments where parents struggle with validation. Sometimes people think validation means that they're accepting bad behavior um, or there's a power struggle. And so we want to get away from that. But sometimes people find themselves a tulip in a rose garden, I like to say. And that just shapes us. So then we're walking around being shaped by our, our biology, being shaped by our social environments. And then we respond to that environment based on that upbringing. And then our environment responds to that response based on their upbringing. So if we're not careful, I mean, that's the transactional model in itself. It, it kind of just is what it is. And you can kind of see where things can go wrong. Things can get misinterpreted and we end up in a game of ping pong back and forth. And what we, what I typically see a power struggle instead of effectiveness. <laughs> that's funny. We have an almost two-year-old and it's very easy to get into the uh, power struggle uh, because, oh, you know, sure. he's, it's for the first time in his life, he's really trying to gain control. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what can he do to get what he wants and to mm -hmm. do what he wants? And it's, it's like taking a step back. I always like, I mean, in the moment, it's a little frustrating because you're like, we just need to get out the door. Right. Um, but like, I totally respect sure. what you're doing, bro. I get it. Like I totally get this. Like you're trying to get control of the situation and you want this to be your say. So yeah. <laughs> like, how do we make, give you that space for your say to also get us out the door. <laughs> <laughs> I give it to anyone. There's a reason I don't work below the age of 13. I give it to you parents. My goodness. <laughs> It's like mama needs a glass of wine right now. <laughs> but I can't help but watch him and say like, I respect every part of what you're trying mm -hmm. to do. I get this like 100%. We just need to like get you pointed in the right direction and then let it be your idea, you know? <laughs> and that's the nail on the head. Like you're already modeling. I think we want to model in any relationship what we want in return. Right. Not that that's a guarantee to happen. And we got to work on that frustration that comes up when it doesn't, yeah. but you're, it sounds like you're already working on that validation, validate the valid, not the invalid, but validate the valid. Absolutely. Yeah. I did that a lot with gymnasts. Like when I was working, coaching with them and you know, they are, they're doing a sport and they're doing it for fun, but they're high level competitive, but they're also eight to 16, 17 years old in that phase of like, well, I want to do what I want. And, you know, like all of that. And it's like trying to get them on board of like, you know what they need to do to get them where they want to be. You've mm -hmm. got to push them where they're uncomfortable and they don't like that. But how do I 
get them to buy into this and go along and just Mm kind of, it was a big learning process for me, but kind of teaching them, okay, this is where we need to go. How are we going to get there? And letting them like choose whether giving them options, you can do this or this or this, like, what do you want? Or like making them come up with a game plan of like, Mm -hmm. okay, uh, I think beam in gymnastics has a big fear issue. And it was like, okay, we need this skill. We need it on the high beam. If you want to compete, you got to do it. Give me a plan. What do you think is appropriate? You know, and letting them come up with it. And a lot of times they would end up not only being successful, but beating their plan and doing it faster than I would have asked them to do. So it's like finding, giving them, giving them say, giving them authority and control. That's a nail on the head moment too there, Bobby, is um, we forget that these young folks, these kiddos are human. And so we want, so we call it turning the tables. I don't know if you guys remember, but back when I was on before, I talked about dear man to kind of get what we want, objective effectiveness. And that last part, when you start to like, maybe you're running into a roadblock is turn the tables. Well, Timmy, what do you think is a good idea for this? How would you solve this problem? I'm not saying we're going to do that, but just giving them that you're also building that sense of being able to trust themselves and leadership within them too, by just simply doing that. So it's a great skill to start applying when they're little bitty. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, I, I've noticed a huge difference. So our, our older son is, you know, almost five. Right. And so his ability to reason and logic obviously is much better than, than the younger guy, right. Who's, you know, not yet two yet, but almost two. <laughs> and when we've offered him the idea of like, you know, eating dinner is a struggle. Um, why? I don't know. You know, there's people all over the world that there's food deserts and all sorts of like people that don't have enough food. And, and in our home, eating dinner is a struggle. So, and how we've been able to overcome that struggle is saying like, okay, so what are your choices today? So, and, and he come he helps us develop the, the grocery menu, right? So, okay. On Saturday mornings, we sit down and we write that, we write out the grocery menu. So like, what are the different things you would like to eat for dinner this week? And he'll say, you know, a, a couple of things. And, you know, we always have the rule that on the plate, there has to be some sort of a protein and then also some sort of a vegetable. So what, what are your choices for this week? And then we put that on the fridge now, and, and we have drawers in the fridge that are accessible, but then when it comes to dinner time, guess what? He made the grocery list. And now <laughs> it's like, well, you wanted X, Y, or Z on the grocery list, and you wanted these three vegetables to choose from. So now on Monday, when I say, what are our choices for dinner? You're going to have more say and ownership in your choices that are available. And our battle for dinner disappears just like that. Mm -hmm. And he's learning how to make choices and abide by them. It's frustrating. Well, but I really, I kind of wanted broccoli tonight like, okay, well, I don't, it's, you know, if it's wintertime, I might have broccoli in the garden and we could go out and pick it, but it's not winter. It's summer. It Mm -hmm. wasn't on the grocery list. So we have to stay within what's inside of the refrigerator right now. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) But I mean, we're happy to get broccoli, you know, but you have to tell us when we go to the store and it's just that say is so empowering. And the fights are just like Mm -hmm. done. It's yeah. Yeah. 100%. not perfect every night. Okay. Not right. every night, right. but mm-hmm. like the resistance has been much less. Uh, absolutely. And that's what yeah. we see. We see as parents, there's even a 
I don't have it in front of me, but a graph I wish I could pull up that shows the more parents validate, the less um, com negative conflict. Now I'm defining that as the verbal outburst. Conflict is not bad in my professional opinion. It's going to happen. But the yeah. verbal outburst, the slamming doors, the shutting down, the depression, the anxiety, all that just dissipates the more you see parents start to validate. Mm -hmm. And that's what I work with parents on is those validation skills. And I work with the kiddos on accurate expression. So instead of Timmy going and slamming the door and something falls off the, the wall, it's if we're able to just let down our shield, the kid can then say, I feel really frustrated right now. Mm -hmm. And mom or dad can say, it makes sense that you're frustrated right now. Absolutely. Yeah. And you take the whole slamming of the door, it just goes out the window. Out the window. It's, right? it's really cool to see it happen. Yeah. And I don't have kiddos, but I coach gymnastics and spend a lot of time with them. And with that, like um, a lot of their, you know, in the gymnastics world, it's very much coach gymnast, right? And like the levels are here. So with my kids, I kind of brought it up to them and teaching them, no, I'm wrong sometimes. And it's okay to say something to me when I'm wrong, or if I said something wrong, or if I'm making you feel a way, but teaching them how to do that in a respectful manner, or there's certain times where you bring things up and there's certain times where you wait and go to a side and say, Hey, coach Bobby, you know, you, I feel really upset or I'm really scared. And like making sure they know that express those opinions and express those things. And you could see them just kind of like, they'd be really nervous to tell you, mm -hmm. but then like how I would react, you know, made a difference to them. And then they'd start telling you more and start opening up more. And you could see them start to grow more than too and be more confident in themselves. Um, but also in a safe environment where mm -hmm. they knew I wasn't going to get mad at them if they said it wrong. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, that's great. So Jada with, uh, strategies, right? Yeah. So, Obviously, I, I was I was hearing the I feel statements oh, to yeah. be able to like get the emotion out and verbalized. Are there any other strategies for being able to verbalize the emotion in a healthy way? Well, uh, I always go simply to I feels, and that's what I work with the kids on is that accurate mm -hmm. expression. It, it's yeah. it's frustrating. I feel frustrating. That, that's really hard. What I think I hone in on more and spend more time with is how to validate. Okay. So that sounds like it makes sense. I understand. I see your point of view. It's just those simple little ways of acknowledging. I hear you. It's really mm -hmm. just active listening and reflecting that back. That's right. all it is. Right. I can, I can see for sure where the inconsistency in that is going to shut down the I feel statement. So the I feel statement is difficult and uncomfortable to say because it's an emotion and mm -hmm. emotions are, you feel them and some people feel them bigger than others, but everybody feels them. So yeah. to say something out loud, that's not visible to others and to say it makes you vulnerable and mm -hmm. that is uncomfortable. So if you meet that with a shutdown or no, you Shut don't up, feel that, right. That's my favorite. No, you don't. Mm -hmm. I've heard that a number of times in different settings. And it's like, it's like nails on a chalkboard. I'm like, don't say that. Mm -hmm. Don't say that they don't feel that you don't know that. <laughs> like, why would you say that? And it's going to cause the kid to over time grow up to be a person that does not know how to recognize their own emotions. And I see that 
all the time. Oh, for sure. So yeah. it, it, it takes a, it takes a village. And a lot of times it's also working on the parents to even be able to recognize what their emotions are telling them because maybe their own upbringing didn't really acknowledge that for sure or did in a negative way. So, and a lot of this also, my big skills focus on relationship mindfulness. And so if you want, we can do that. I got a couple little, um, meditation, meditations, if you will, kind of uh, mindfulness things I can say out loud to you guys and we can practice. Sure. That sounds great. Let's do it. So this is something I got two of them. And if we have time, I'll do the third one. This is something that I tell my clients to do every day at work with their husbands, with their wives, with their, especially with their kids. And I'm having their kids do this too, because the goal is to get what what we call to phenomenological empathy. Okay. It's a big old mouthful of a term. (laughs) We try to view ourselves and others from a non-pejorative frame of mind. Okay. I'm 100% guilty of my quick instant view of being judgmental. Like, Ooh, you did that on purpose. Ooh, what did that mean? Like, and I have to take a step back and this relationship mindfulness really helps that. Okay. We don't really know someone's intent. We can make hypothesis, but we don't fully know unless we check in. And so to help check in, we are going to have to be able to regulate. Otherwise my check-in is going to be a blow up or a slamming door or a shut down. So relationship mindfulness helps us get to that. Yep. So the first one let me pull it up here. I'm going to have you guys and our listeners, if you're in a place that you can close your eyes and take on a mindful position. So we call this willing hands. If your hands are in your lap, put them palms up. If you notice that they're clenched, that's going to cause some tension. Make sure we just relax them. And just kind of imagine from the top of your head all the way down, just relaxing as much as we can. If you notice during this meditation, if if noise comes in, if you start to think of other things of that to-do list, that's okay. We're just going to recognize that as just that outside verbiage and we're going to bring it in and refocus on what I'm saying. And we're going to begin. I want you all to bring to mind someone you care about. And as you bring to mind, I just want you to sit in this for a few minutes. Pick one person and just go through certain traits that you like about them. If you notice anything coming up, maybe you don't like about them, just acknowledge this and let's proceed back to the meditation and again, focus on what traits, what characteristics, what memories do you have and hold for this person that you, that causes perhaps feelings of joy or love or happiness.
then I'll bring you guys back just due to time. Do you guys want to share anything you noticed from that? I found that was really helpful to like say the acknowledgement. So if your mind starts to wander, like saying that out loud is like, that's okay. Now let's bring it back on track. But I mean, it was almost validating to say, like, you're not wrong when your mind wanders. That mm -hmm. was, that was helpful. Um, so I think one of the things for me is you have interpersonal relationships and these, and these people in your life. So like my husband, right. It's we, I mean, I, I very much value our marriage and we don't take enough time to step back and just truly say how much I do value him and him in my life and, and just seeing all the positives. I mean, it was, it was funny, like, you know, just, you know, Father's Day, like when I was kind of going through, you know, always do kind of something special for Father's Day. It was like one of the first times I, like I, I in a while where I took a step back and was like, wow, like trying to come up with like all these, you know, things for us to make for him, you know, and, and really seeing him as a part of the family and what just he brings to the family. And it, that was like, we need to do more of that. So this mindfulness was really helpful for me to like take time to really be present just with that one person inside of our house, instead of just the, you know, the whole dynamic of like, are we meeting the needs of everybody? But sometimes really stepping back and saying, I see you and I value you and I appreciate you just because of you, just because of who you are. Simple, right? but taking that time is hard. So that's perfect. And that didn't, that, that meditation wasn't long, but yeah. it, like super grounding. I normally say at least five minutes, you know, right. You could do that on the way to work. If you want, like just repeating some, a few positive things. That's right. it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was helpful. Notice any interference as far as things you don't like about someone interfering with the list of positives. Um, so I would say for me, my biggest thing was I noticed one, there would only be like one and I'm like, okay, but I could list all these others. But then at the same time, like what I noticed is like, once I did my list, I struggled. I was like, all right, I move on. Like I found myself like, you know, swinging side to side. I, I saw myself, you like, open your eyes too. I was like, I mean, oh, yeah, I was like, am I still on it. this? Like <laughs> I, for me, that's like, that's really hard. I'm like, okay, I did it. I'm already moving on, moving on. And like, it's really hard for me to ground, especially right now in this period of life where, you know, there's like 10,000 things going on and there's always something else I could be doing to like sit there and like, even just silence. And like, once I was done with my list, like, I was like, okay, okay, next thing, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> that, that doing mind it's go, go, go. Oh, it yes. is so hard for me too. This mindfulness is difficult and we achieve it different, in different ways. I like to be outside in nature. That's my mindfulness it's walking in nature. It's not just sitting and meditating. However, this is just something to think and for your listeners to kind of incorporate if, especially if we're struggling in a relationship, maybe we're struggling with kids or a spouse or a boyfriend or girlfriend or whoever, a workmate, just take five minutes, kind of go through your head. Very helpful. Yeah. I would like to do another one with you guys though. And this is where it gets hard. <laughs> Because this is applicable to situations, guys, and those listening, where we like this person, but maybe this person is doing things we don't like. So I'm going to ask in this oh, meditation, okay. we think about 
what the person's doing from their lens, from their history, that maybe makes sense of why they're doing it. Okay. Putting in yourself in their shoes. This is going to be very difficult for folks and especially with folks with kids. All right. Y'all ready? Yep. Mm -hmm. So bring to mind a situation where you did not like what someone did. Take a few minutes perhaps to think of something. And as you bring something to mind, observe any emotions that may be coming up for you. And while we have those emotions occurring, I also want us to challenge that and think about that person's response from their own historical context. How did what they do make sense for them? Can you connect to that? and then go through what the person did with this in mind. And if you'd like, you can even think about how you responded. And I'll bring you back in a minute. I'm gonna challenge Dr. Bobby to sit in this one more minute. Okay. You're welcome to come back now, everyone. Anyone want to share what that was like? Um, <laughs> go for it, Jess. Uh, I think it's helpful to first see from the experience of the other person and look at that first. And then almost like in my head, you know, like with playing sports, you, you like video it and then you play it back. It was like doing that. It was like watching a replay, but in the replay, you were able to actually get a sense of the opponent and not, not that, the, you know, opponents, but like, just get a sense of like, what, why, why, why did they do that? Well, how did they do that? Like what, what, what was led up to that play or whatever it might be. 
So Mm -hmm. doing that first to better understand the perspective from that side to then come back and watch your response was like, oh, (laughs) oh, cringy. So we can change your response. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Uh, 100%. It's very, I find it to be very easy, especially when things are are, uh, moving fast and a lot is going on that if something comes and I, and I'm not mentally like in that mindful space, like you're not like, I'm coming to you with this, you know, feedback that I'm going to give you. And I want you to be mindful and present. It's when I'm busy and distracted and then something happens, that's when I'm more likely to get defensive with my response Mm -hmm. and like more of that shutdown, like what? like what, what's going on here? Uh, no, like we clearly need to do this. What is going on with this? And it, that wasn't, it, that wasn't helpful at all in the moment. And had I taken a step back and been present in the space, I would have noticed a lot more that was leading up to whatever moment is, is leading up to. Mm-hmm. And so that for me, that was, it was really cool. It was like watching a replay of the event. Um, <laughs> and you were just watching yourself like after first seeing what led to the other person, it's like, you almost had, like, you watched the end of the movie first and then you're, and yeah. now you're watching it back again and you're like, Oh no, Oh no, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> That's not helpful. That's going to make it worse, you know? <laughs> But that reflection is helpful. I think, you know, just like debriefing any situation, the debrief is where you learn, you live the situation, but then if you debrief it, that's, you get the most out of that, that potential learning that could happen. Yeah. That was super helpful. And maybe you can, so I actually, I did it with one person and like going back, um, I think this is a place that I've been really working on in myself is like my reactions to people when I don't agree or don't like or expected something and wouldn't. So it's something where a place that I've like really focused on right lately. And so I did it with one person. And as I went through, like I, it actually showed me, oh, you've grown because I wouldn't have changed anything. Like what I did was where I'd want to be, but then I picked the second person um, in a similar situation. And that one was kind of, as Jess was saying, going back and been like, uh, you know, like I was a little tough, like look at it this way, think about this. Um, so that was helpful. Good. Good. Yeah. It's all learning. I, mm-hmm. I find it's just about being open to it and we're human and we're not going to get this perfect. Nope. No. Can, no. If you have that expectation, good luck to you. <laughs> <laughs> I think where we learn are the mistakes though. Like when we make the mistakes and we learn from them, we actually become much, much stronger than if we hadn't ever made that mistake. And I think that's part of what I try and I try and do with, with raising kids as well. I was saying like that mistake is actually what's going to help you grow even and even further. It's, Mm -hmm. we want to learn from the small mistakes So that way it doesn't, like no major harm happen. Things, you know, no major injury, you get broken bone or anything like that. But the way that is experiential learning is through making mistakes. It's when you make the repeated mistake over and over and over again, you're clearly not showing an ability to learn from that mistake. So Mm -hmm. that's, that's the difference. Mm -hmm. So from watching myself doing that and doing the replay is I'm going to, I'm going to make that mistake. Of course I'm going to, I'm like, 
I'm just a human. I'm not perfect. I've never done most of these things before. We're all in the new day. That's a day we haven't lived before. So there's experiences in this day that we've never had before. We're not going to be perfect in every single experience. So having that, that um, just ability to accept yourself as not perfect is something I've had to work on a ton, right? Like I'm the one that's like, I always wanted to have straight A's. I always wanted to be, you know, win the competition, like very competitive type personality. And so I was the type of, especially the kid, like the worst thing you could have said to me was like, I, um, I'm disappointed in you. That was like, cut oh, yeah. me in half. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you could yeah. yell like consequence, take away something I cared about. Sure. Cool. I'm disappointed in you. It was just like crushing, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, that's just, that's, that was me, my personality. And I had to learn how to hear disappointment and say, okay, what can we do about that though? How can we learn from this instead of just saying, I'm disappointed and moving on, like not, and I, you know, that was more like, you know, teachers, things like that, coaches, oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like yes. coaches, this yeah. is a big, big, big I was thing. Gonna in the say, world. Yeah. yeah. I was so, I'm yeah. so good at teaching my kids. I always would tell them if you're not failing, if you're not making state mistakes, you're not doing new things. Like you're not going to, that's the only way to get to success is you got to fail more and uh, make more mistakes. And that it's not like success and failure. It is failure, 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 failure. And then all of a sudden you you hit success. Great at teaching them that great at explaining it. When it comes to me though, like my expectations (laughs) on myself are the exact opposite. You should make no mistakes and just be, you know, I'm like, no, (laughs) like I can't teach that and then believe something else for myself. Yeah. We're always harder on ourselves. That's for sure. Always, always. Yeah. Well, I hope you guys and and the listeners like take a few of these really practice the relationship mindfulness. It's not easy. Do it in times where there's not conflict. It will, it will show up when there is conflict, you will see it and be like, Oh, I'm more aware of my emotions. And I don't want to go off the wall and assume this person's coming at me from a negative state state or have negative. So Practice, 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 practice. It does work. And it's really helpful, you know, because kids, they're going to take when they're in front of me that that get me getting them to their accurate expression takes time. Mm-hmm. So I would tell parents, you're probably going to get hit up on the side of the head, so to speak, a few times, and it's going to suck. And hang in there. Here's some skills that can kind of help us get there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so Jada, thank you so much for coming on. Hopefully our listeners will find some of this helpful. I mm-hmm. certainly did. And yeah. uh, we're going to start implementing this into our lives and it takes practice. That's, that's the key with mindfulness is that it is a regular practice and that's where you start to really see the results. Um, so I definitely appreciate that. So to all our li- listeners, we'll be posting about Jada so that you can learn more about her and her practices. Uh, make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube to go and a glass half full and we look forward to seeing you all uh, at the next episode all right bye bye guys thanks for